0: Our families have adapted a lot this year, and with creative problem-solving, we've discovered new ways to tackle life's day-to-day. Now, we're doing the same through the holidays. In the same way that KiwiCo helped engage our kids through summer and at-home schooling, they're helping fill the holiday season with wonder and ease. Every month, KiwiCo delivers everything you need for hands-on science, art, and geography projects. And with crates available for kids of all ages, they make gift giving easy for us grownups and being home seriously fun for kids during a holiday season that looks different. Each KiwiCo crate is an experience
1: that sparks discovery. When a robot walks, a rocket launches, and a heart beats into a stethoscope that they built, These are magical moments that inspire a
0: lifetime of curiosity and learning. Plus, there's no commitment, so you can pause or cancel at any time, making KiwiCo the no-brainer holiday gift of the year. Get
1: 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with the code DIJFY. That's 50% off your first month for every purchase made in November and December at kiwyco.com. promo code DIJFY. Short for Didn't I Just Feed You?
0: Most people, when you say braising, they're picturing a roast or a pork shoulder. But braising doesn't have to be just meat and proteins. You can braise beans, you can braise vegetables. And so, this is a cooking technique that works across every type of diet, and it is low and slow cooking. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding kids. Hi, I'm Stacy And I'm Megan. Welcome to this week's episode of Didn't I Just Feed You, where we're going to talk all about raising. But hey, before we get into it, uh, just this is your weekly reminder to subscribe right where you're listening. And if you find yourself with a few extra minutes, leave us a rating or review too. They help other busy parents and busy home cooks find us,
1: Weirdly. It's not. Is it weird? It is weird, I guess, because algorithms. I guess are it's weird. like a weird
0: algorithm where it totally, it's like How could this possibly help. But totally, then it does. So the
1: more we have reviews and ratings coming in, it like pushes us up in the ranking,
0: and we like that. And, yeah, <laughs> then people can find us, and not just like the ranking of our vanity, but also yes. like when people search. Uh, family dinners or nachos or whatever in iTunes or wherever they listen to podcasts, then we're more likely to pop up too.
1: Okay. Enough about us. (laughs) Let's talk about (laughs) phrasing. This is, I'm
0: more excited about this episode than
1: I've been about an episode in a while.
0: Me too. I feel like braising is absolutely everything that busy home cooks need right now.
1: Yeah. It's like the perfect winter thing. It's actually, it takes a while, but it's very low maintenance and the results you get are very restaurant-y. So I feel like it's very satisfying. It's very confidence boosting in the kitchen And I don't think people talk about it enough. I, You know, I think the word itself might intimidate people, but they might be braising without even realizing that they're braising. Y'all, we're braising
0: all the time. And can we just shout out braised dishes of all kinds for the leftovers they produce too? I think that's a little bit like the, yes, you're boosting confidence. Yes, it's like restaurant worthy at home, but then it's also allowing you to knock again later in the week because you have all these beautiful leftovers to use.
1: It's true. And all you Instant Pot fanatics, you're basically fast brazing a lot of the time. Like when you're putting in that huge like pork butt or pork shoulder, you know, and you're filling it up part way and the meat sticking out a little bit, but it cooks and just falls apart. That's just a fast version of braising. But we're going to talk about the proper slower version in a pot, a
0: Dutch oven to be exact. A Dutch oven. Also, uh, shout out to the old school slow cooker people too, because that's slow cooking in any amount of liquid is braising. There you go. I I think we should just like right at the top, acknowledge the fact that immediately most people, when you say braising, they're picturing like a roast or a pork shoulder, but braising doesn't have to be just meat and proteins. You can braise beans, you can braise vegetables. And so this is a cooking technique that works across every type of diet, and it is low and slow cooking. Totally. So, and we'll talk about all of that today. Yeah. It's basically low and slow cooking.
1: Start with a sear, then slow cooking in liquid. Like that is what braising is. The goal is to get like these deep layers of flavor and a very soft, super tender, melty texture. And that goes for the beans and the
0: veggies too. Should we talk about what tools you need to braise? I think we should talk about, first of all, your favorite things to braise. And then we should do like a really quick walk, like a walkthrough of braising from start to finish and talk about tools. Okay. So what is your favorite thing to braise?
1: I tend to braise meat. I love braised beef, lamb shanks pork too like a pork butter or pork shoulder although for some reason it's really weird I was thinking about this when we talked about this episode if I have a pork butter or pork shoulder I tend to put it into the instant pot but there's something about getting a like chuck roast or a brisket that makes me want to put it in the pot and like do it the slow way same with shanks I like braising beans and olive oil
0: yes
1: and I like doing white beans. I don't like chickpeas as much because I feel like a little bit smaller or like flatter instead of rounder, which is how I think of chickpeas. You get like a more buttery texture. Also, chickpeas are kind of naturally a little bit more chalky, which might actually make them a good candidate. I'm curious if you braise chickpeas. But I like doing... I love
0: to braise chickpeas. Oh, really? And I, yeah, I'm over here laughing because I have never in my life heard someone overthink braising beans the same way that I do the way that you just did i'm da- you're like talking about the shape of the beans and how that impacts their braising i'm 100% here for it I'm just like, Wow. Hilarious. We really, we really spent too much time <laughs> thinking about and talking about food. Oh, my goodness. That's yes. so funny. I find myself breezing chickpeas a lot if only because they're like really easy for me to find. And there's something I always have in the pantry. And so I think I just cook a lot of chickpeas more than any other beans. But yeah, I love the idea of white, white beans. And you talking about freezing, freezing them beans. in olive oil. I really want to get some Rancho Gordo cranberry beans yes. and try braising yes. those in olive oil this season too.
1: And I also I have one vegetable, only one vegetable that I really like regularly braise and it's fennel.
0: I Ooh. love braised fennel. I would not have picked that out of a lineup ever. Oh, it's but like I my it's so I love good. fennel in general, but I love braising it. What do you like? Do you cook it in liquid or olive oil? Like talk to me a little bit more. Yeah, about So I'll usually really do a little bit of
1: broth with a splash of orange juice or I've done olive oil. You know, the thing about braising in olive oil, though, like beans, you don't need that much braising liquid. And actually you don't for vegetables either because you don't want it to get mushy. And the thing about braising is you never want to submerge anything. So it's not like you need a ton, but I don't don't know. Olive oil seems precious. So I've only braised in olive oil a couple of times, but just like broth with a big splash or two of fresh orange juice, I love for fennel.
0: Yeah. And not to get, not to overthink it here, but I think (laughs) technically if you just use oil or fat, it's technically a confit, right? Yeah.
1: I think if you do it,
0: that's right. Yeah. yeah, so, so that's there's like a, there's a small difference.
1: Yeah, so uh when you're doing like a confit, meat is going to be braised in its own fat. But since mm-hmm. vegetables don't have fat, it's whatever added fat you use, like olive oil. Right. So yes. Right. I consider it a braise, but yes. Fennel it's confit. Sim- what if I serve that to the kids? I was like, here tonight
0: we're having fennel <laughs> confit with. <laughs> I can feel Isaac's eye roll when you do that <laughs> like your oldest being like okay mom we get it you're a chef uh, yeah totally
1: um, Get. <laughs> I mean everything gets an eye roll these days so whatever but yeah
0: I know that's why I was like I just can feel I it's like mm-hmm. it's like glaring down the back of my neck right yeah, now, yeah, yeah. Eye roll.
1: that's how we live yes. so anyway let's talk about braising <laughs> <laughs> wait you didn't tell us your thing
0: I love to braise pork shoulder. It's a very like southern thing, and and because pre pandemic we were so often feeding a crowd, it's like a cheap and also easy way. And I know that people think like, oh, braise por- pork shoulder, like pulled pork sandwiches, and it's sort of like can be flat in flavor. But I think there's a lot of really beautiful ways to braise a pork shoulder that people don't think about, like carnitas style, where there is some orange juice and lime juice. And so there's this acid along with the broth and like a little bit of fat that comes from the pork shoulder and these really robust spices that make it just super flavorful. And then you can eat that fork a million different ways. It doesn't just have to be on sandwiches. Like you can have it over polenta or grits. You can eat it in tacos or wraps. You can um, also just make sort of like shepherd's pie style dishes with the leftovers too.
1: Yeah. I think that's a great point just because I think people assume that if you've put, you know, orange juice and lime juice, and it seems like you're going towards a more like... Latin American Mexican flavor profile that you then can't use the leftovers with something that has a different flavor profile. And that's not true. It's not. It's like really not. The lime or the orange is going to be so pronounced. You can totally put a jar of tomato sauce <laughs> over the leftovers and make like an Italian style sauce. Or like you were just yeah. saying, like, put it in a shepherd's pie. Totally works.
0: Yes. I said I love chickpeas and that's true. I don't get I'm sort of like have a favorite way of Braising them in a little bit of sauce, like pasta sauce or canned tomatoes, and then adding a little bit of like warm spices like cardamom and some garam masala and adding a little bit of coconut milk at the end. Yeah. So it's kind of like a curry, kind of like a curry. I'm using that very loosely. Those That's like how I cook beans most often, although... My family loves baked beans, and I only probably make them once a year. But that is great. Like, that's braising. If you're making traditional baked beans and you're using, like, a little bit of ketchup and broth or not – it doesn't even have to be ketchup. It can be tomato paste and brown sugar, and you're chopping an onion and some garlic and putting, like, a couple pieces of bacon on top and putting that in the oven. Baked beans are 100% braised beans. So delicious. And then – So delicious. And then I want to shout out, I know it, you guys, it's very ugly food, but braised cabbage is so (laughs) delicious. (laughs) And we have a recipe coming to kitchen for cream braised Brussels sprouts. And truly like it, they look so ugly in the pan, but they're screaming delicious. Like your eyes will roll into the back of your head. They're so Ooh, good. Oh, you're selling it. And it's like, it's Brussels sprouts. Like, that's not that exciting usually, but to cook them in a bunch of cream with a little bit of butter, and like, you need more butter when you have all that cream. But yes. And then, like, a little garlic and maybe some smoked paprika. It's so good. So, so good. Yum. Okay. Let's do a walkthrough of braising. Let's Great. say you're braising at home. Are- what? tools are you pulling out first before you even start.
1: So, for me, it's a Dutch oven. You, you know, some people will say you need a wooden turner, which is like the wooden like a spoon that's been flattened out. Yeah. That helps. That's like a nice gentle way to move big cuts of meat especially without it completely falling apart prematurely on you cuz it depends how you want to serve it. Like especially if you want a braised lamb shank, or something where you want it to remain intact and have it like kind of fall apart and melt away from the bone once someone puts their fork in it.
0: Oh, that's so interesting. I assumed that tool was like primarily there so you could capture all the fond in the bottom of the pot when you deglaze. And but that you, that's too. such a good point that it's like yeah. gentle turning. Yeah. Okay. Great I just turning. learned something, Phyllis. Yes. yes. <laughs> or,
1: you know, if you don't want have a wooden turner, like tongs. But tongs tend to be like metal. Even if they have a rubber tip, they just tend yeah, to be a little gen- bit more they're rough. They're just not yeah. as gentle. Exactly. Yeah. Big spoon or ladle you might need just because of all that liquid. Just sort of depends. Again, you can use that instead of the wooden turner. That's really it. Like, it doesn't require anything special. Like, the Dutch oven, a big, heavy pot that retains and distributes it evenly, heat, evenly
0: is the most important thing yeah and i actually want to say i i have a dutch oven from lodge that i love and i recently got to cook in a la crusade dutch oven like a very expensive pot and honestly like they cook the same yeah totally um, If you're buying something that heavy duty like you don't have to buy the 300 hundred dollar dutch oven necessarily and to add to that if you have a nice pot with a tight-fitting lid that's not necessarily cast iron or enamel cast iron, that's a like, so it's not technically air quotes a Dutch oven. You can still braise in that. Like the heat is low enough that. Just having the tight-fitting lid is, like, the most crucial thing if you want to braise in a pot that's not a Dutch oven.
1: Totally. I will say that you do have to be careful when it's on the stovetop during, like, and we'll walk through the steps, the searing. If the bottom of your pan is thin, like, if it isn't multiple ply of metal then, you know, you can get a little burning. And you want to be careful because you want the browning of the meat. That's an essential step that we're going to talk about. And scraping up the bits and making sure that they're really deeply browned is going to give you beautiful layers of flavor that's essential to the beauty of braising. But you don't want it to burn. So just be mindful of that. But that's typically, besides the tightly fitted lid that heaviness of the pan has to do with that step the searing and making sure you're like spreading your heat evenly
0: yes i think we should do a little roundup in the show notes of our favorite dutch ovens at every price point because I, I love that. that but i know that you have a new great jones dutch oven because uh, your How girl you sent you for your birthday in october two months late <laughs> But it's just proof positive that there are nice Dutch ovens at every price point. So anyone can braise. Totally.
1: Okay. So you have the right tools. Now let's talk about meat. Like we said, we'll talk about beans and veggies before the episode is over. But let's talk about the right cut of meat.
0: Okay. I feel like the right cut of meat is something that has more fat in it. That's going to like release the fat. And so sometimes that also means it has more... Connective tissue, for example, like the pork shoulder, it's got that shoulder bone in it. And so there's a lot of connective tissue around it. And it makes for a break, like the collagen that's in connective tissue and the fat that's in a pork shoulder is what helps braise the meat without you submerging it all the way in liquid.
1: Totally. So fat is important here. It's a critical part of the braising. You know, having a bone in piece versus bone out. I personally don't think matters Um, if there's good fat, marbling and connective tissue. You know, it's not like the bone is going to release that much more collagen. So, you know, don't worry about that as much as thinking about like the marbling and that you have a cut of meat that can really like stand up to a couple of hours of cooking.
0: Yes. Okay. I think we should talk real quickly this is just a small, almost a side, about whether you have to braise in small pieces or oh. big pieces. I think it's just helpful to know that you could take a large roast and cut it into four pieces, and it will braise faster. Or you can take a large roast and cut it into a dozen pieces, and it will braise even faster. But you also don't have to cut it at all, and especially if you want to serve braise braises as like a fancy dinner at home, dinner party dish. I think cooking it whole actually makes it taste a little bit better and looks prettier for serving.
1: I totally agree with you because you know, I mean if you you almost have a stew if you start to cut it up. If you're going to eventually right. just shred the meat like if you're making carnitas, Then, you know, especially if you feel short on time or you're not like working from home right now and it's not possible to just like put something in the oven for two hours and it's not a stress on you, then like cut it up. But I agree that the presentation of a big chunk of (laughs) braised meat (laughs) is so lovely and feels different than a stew. You know, yes. and and a stew, you'll typically submerge the meat, but still you'll end up with something very stew-like if you braise chunks of meat. So yes. it will still have that, like in presentation, it will still kind of present like a stew. So I like big hunks of
0: meat. <laughs> yes, I do too. But I'm just saying, <laughs> like, listen, we're talking about braising as this like long luxurious process which we love and maybe people want to have this the the flavors that we're talking about and they don't have the same kind of time totally. every week. So um yeah, if you cut it it will braise faster and you would do that before this next step which is searing. Okay, Talks so, so let's so, let's
1: walk through the steps of braising so that people really understand what it is we're talking about, because I think that once we talk people through steps, they'll realize that they can really riff on their own. Like, of course, if you're a less confident cook, you're going to want a recipe to start with, but they always follow these steps. And once you get the hang of it, you're going to be able to braise whatever you want. So step one, when we're talking about braising meat, is to sear the meat. Some people say to use a neutral oil. I think using olive oil is just fine.
0: Have you ever braised by starting with butter? Uh, Yes, I have. Hello. I always always have butter on hand. I'm more likely to run out of olive oil than I am to run out of butter because I'm a baker at heart. Searing sounds like it's such a high heat, but really searing is just browning. And so if you're going to use butter... Or another, like, you only have a really nice extra virgin olive oil on hand. Like you want to do the searing at, like, a slightly lower temperature yes. so you don't burn the oil or butter yeah. while you're browning the meat.
1: Right. So the, like, grape seed, canola, those oils have a higher heat point. But yeah. still, like, you really only need to be on medium-high. Yes. Right? I agree. Then you just put the meat in. And here's a thing about searing in general. And this is like when you're cooking steak, when you're really cooking chicken, anything. Leave your meat alone. Like leave it alone. <laughs> Don't <laughs> poke <laughs> it and fuss it and pull it and da da. Because what you're doing is as soon as it sears, you know when you turn over a steak and it has browned beautifully. That browning actually creates a barrier between the tissue that hasn't cooked, you know, on the other side of the sear, and the hot, hot pan. So it will release when you've browned properly and it's ready to flip, your piece of meat will flip easily. If you're needing to pull and yank and some of the tissue is still sticking to the pan, That's because it hasn't fully browned. And don't be afraid. We're talking like a deep, dark brown. You know, it's not burnt. It should not look black or charred. But you want it to be deep and dark. And for all those like dark brown little pieces of like meat and oil that start to collect on the bottom, that is called font.
0: It is delicious.
1: It is delicious. Like that's essential to this. So you're, you're heating your oil. You know, medium to medium-high heat, when it's hot, put in your piece of meat and just leave it. When you go to turn it, it should release very quickly and easily. And then just kind of brown all sides. You know, maybe you're just flipping. If it's a shank, you might have to turn it three times. You don't want to overcrowd the pan. Oh, we didn't talk about seasoning the meat before you put it in the hot pan. Rewind. Yeah. You know that I've actually read some people say that you're not like don't season it too heavily. I'm fully against that. I say season heavily with salt.
0: Wait, what is the reason that I don't know, say? but
1: I've seen that. And I was actually like, I was just like reviewing, like how do we break down the steps so we're really clear because this is such a like great technique for home cooks. And there are lots of people who skip the seasoning step. It's more of an omission than a don't do it. And I yeah. find that omission completely glaring.
0: Okay, here's what I will say though. I've done weirdly a lot of meat writing and research in my life. And there is... <laughs> I know. But there is sort of like this bell curve uh-huh. of seasoning. And this is true of like steaks or roast chicken or your Thanksgiving turkey, um, your holiday roast too. You want to either season stuff so well in advance that the salt has time to sort of like Pull the surface moisture off of the meat, and then the meat has time to reabsorb that surface moisture and the salt along with it. Or you want to—so we're talking about, in that case, like seasoning your chicken a day in advance yes. or your turkey like it's two or three bride. days in advance. Or it's like it's a, a quick aging a dry for beef. Yeah. yeah. Or you want to season your meat right before cooking. Like, literally, you're sprinkling it with salt on the cutting board, like, as your pot is preheating with that little bit of neutral oil in the bottom of it. If you try to season it and then you're like, oh, I forgot to chop up my onion and my, my aromatics and I'm going to do that real quick. And then it's been 30 minutes since you've seasoned your, your roast before you want to sear it. You're going to have a ton of surface moisture that's been pulled. Like it's basically the meat and the salt kind of co-mingling and it's not like not not all is lost but you just want to pat that off instead and really like readjust your seasoning after yeah. you've tasted the braise. That's braids. such a great but important tip. That surface moisture will prevent your sear from getting like beautiful and brown because it'll it'll basically like steam the meat as soon as you put it into the yep. hot oil.
1: And because salt just think about it you guys like this, salt draws out moisture. So, you know, that's what you're doing. You're drying out moisture and you're not giving it enough time to dry it out completely and have it dry again, which is why we call it dry aging or brining. So great point. As your fat is heating up in the pan, heavily salt your meat, then brown it on all sides. That's your sear. When you get it browned on all sides, now you're going to pull the meat out of the pot and let it rest. And let's talk about the next step.
0: Which is where you can add a lot of flavor. Actually, before we move on from searing, can I just say, this maybe oh. it's like an advanced technique, but it's very delicious. And so I want to talk about it. Sometimes instead of using a neutral oil, I will cook like two pieces of bacon in the bottom of my Dutch oven. I don't even chop oh, them up. They're yeah. like full, brown them, and then use the bacon fat, like that smoky, salty bacon fat to sear meat too, which is especially great, obviously for pork dishes, but if you're going to braise beans, et cetera. And and so that's sort of like, I'm a little jumping ahead to talking about beans and vegetables, but that's another place where you can like get some fat in your pan, which you're going to want irregardless for the next step which is cooking your aromatics. Okay, your but wait, wait, fog. wait, wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. Since you went to one little <laughs> like advanced thing, I want to do one little advanced thing too. Okay, okay. Because Give it to me. the next step we're going to talk about, Megan's going to jump into talking about sauteing your aromatics in the rendered fat plus oil with all that goodness that came, that is the result of searing. Yes. But there is something you can do at this point. Really, I've only done it when you're using vinegar or when you want like a high acid background in your braise. If you add that vinegar to your braising liquid, it doesn't cook off enough and can really throw off the flavor of your braising liquid. So sometimes I'll take a vinegar, like a sherry vinegar, red wine vinegar, And I will quickly deglaze the pan before sautéing my aromatics or my mirepoix, which we'll talk about in a second. So I'll deglaze the pan with the vinegar. And then as soon as it's cooked off completely, you know, it's going to start to be like a dry pan again. Then I add the aromatics, you know, you don't want it to be completely dry because you don't want your aromatics to burn, but then you'll get like a nice vinegary background flavor, Without it being kind of overpowering and sitting kind of on top or in the middle of your braising liquid, which can kind of ruin
0: it. Okay. I love this. Also, there is like a tiny bit of science behind not adding your acid later in your braise, which I don't know that I'm going to articulate it this as well as I should, but it's sort of like the acid can actually interact with the braising liquid in a way that makes your meat end up feeling drier even if it's falling apart because it's sort of like cooked it a little bit in a weird way. Yeah. I don't know that that makes sense.
1: So that's like vinegar would be the one thing where you would deglaze before adding your aromatics or your mirepoix. Okay. Okay. Yes. But if you're not okay. doing bacon, if you're not doing vinegar, you've <laughs> seared your meat, you've put it to the side and now you're going to throw in your aromatics, your mirepoix. Talk
0: yes. to us about it. Okay. You mentioned this a little bit in the vinegar step, but before you actually like dump your onions, carrots, and celery into your Dutch oven, after you've removed the meat, you do want to just take a peek and determine like, is there enough fat in there? You want the the pan to have like a covering of oil or fat from and all those little fond bits from searing the meat if you don't feel like you have enough fat in there like maybe your meat sort of soaked it up or you did stacy's deglazing to get a little bit of vinegar flavor in there you can add like another tablespoon of oil bacon fat or butter and even if you're like if you're adding those things and you want to scrape the pan a little bit so that your fond doesn't start to burn go ahead and do that And then we're going to add any vegetables that we want to cook along with our meat or our beans or anything that's going to flavor our veggies that we're braising, right? So traditionally, you would use a mirepoix, which is onion, carrots, and celery, or a sofrito, which is also onions and celery, and then pepper. Correct me if I'm wrong, Stacey. Yeah, that's right. And then you can do a garlic, have shallots, this is also the place where I add other aromatics like ginger or citrus zest, as well as herbs, fresh or dry. I also you add any dry spices to this step, and that helps wake them up and cook them before you get to deglazing and the long, slow braise. But this is a step where you're adding a lot of flavor to your pot and you're using up the fat that came off of searing to build that flavor as well. Is there anything that you add to the saute step that I'm not thinking of, Stacey? I don't think so. I just want to be, it was
1: clear, but this isn't where we're adding any vegetables that are part of our braids. Like if you're going to have, you know, lamb shank with little potatoes, you wouldn't add these now. This is the vegetables right. and the aromatics that are going to flip, that are your flavor base. So no, I mean, you mentioned, I think you mentioned ginger, lemongrass is like weird and fancy and delicious and gives like a different kind of citrusy flavor in the background. You can toast like anchovy paste or tomato paste in this step too. Yeah. You would want to put that at the end, like a minute or two before you're going to deglaze, which we're going to talk about in a second, because you don't want your paste to burn. But yeah, I can't think of anything else. It's really like onion, garlic, shallot, carrot, celery, like all that really good flavor-based stuff.
0: Yes. I. You know what we should talk about, though, is the size of your aromatics. Oh, and really, yeah. really, this is a... This is one of those times where, you know, if the recipe you're following says finely chopped, you really want to follow those directions because it may be that what's going to happen is after the saute and after the long braise, those vegetables are all but going to disappear into the broth and make like a really lush sauce. And then some other braises, it might be like, oh, well, we want to keep the shallots halved because, We're actually going to serve the shallots alongside the potatoes, but they're going to have like a slightly different texture that's more silky and braised itself. So really pay attention to the cues in the recipe for the size of your aromatics and understand that if you cut things really small for this mirepoix step, they're going to like sort of dissolve in the liquid or if you leave them a little bit bigger they're going to cook and be really really soft after the breeze.
1: Yum I love when you use the word <laughs> silky. Mm.
0: Yeah it's a good one. Yeah it is and a we good don't talk one. about silky food enough. Okay talk to us about deglazing Stacey and then we've got to hear from our sponsors this week.
1: Okay so deglazing is just taking a smaller amount of liquid and adding it to the sauteed vegetables and starting to like scrape up. All those things. We've said fond so many times now. <laughs> you're going to scrape that <laughs> up. A lot of it will have released because the veg the aromatics, the mirepoix, whatever you're using those veggies are going to release liquid, water basically as they sauté themselves. And that liquid will probably pick up all of the fond at that point. But still, like as they brown and sauté again, now the vegetables are going to like brown and stick in places. So, For deglazing, we typically use like wine, you can use stock, You can use vinegar here a little bit. You can use even water works. It's not my favorite, but it does totally work. And if you have lots of other flavors going on, like, don't worry about it. The point is that at this point, any flavor that is collected in the bits that have browned enough to stick on the pan, we want to reclaim them. (laughs) They are ours.
0: We want them (laughs) in. You're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere.
1: You're not sticking to the pan. You're going to be in our braising liquid. So you add that, you scrape everything off, and it's you're only adding little bits. So it's gonna like kind of bubble really quickly. And that's it. That's what deglazing is.
0: Can I share a weird thing I used to deglaze recently <laughs> yeah. was pasta water. Oh. I had yeah, leftover totally. pasta water because I <gasps> yes. was doing some experiments for kitchen and it weirdly like worked so well in this braised chicken dish because it's sort of like thickened liquid
1: that is genius that makes so much sense like that's why you save the pasta cooking water for your sauce because that starch gives a silky (laughs) slightly thickened sauce Ah, on that genius note Megan before we dive into the rest of the process let's hear from our sponsors who have made this week's very exciting episode possible
0: An alarming number of today's kids leave home without knowing how to do their own laundry, use a debit card, or even address an envelope. And we know many of them don't know how to cook for themselves either. So parenting writer and Real Simple columnist, Katherine Newman,
1: decided to help with her new book, How to Be a Person, 65 Hugely Useful,
0: Super Important Skills to Learn Before You're Grown Up. Illustrated in full color, graphic novel style, How to Be a Person teaches kids 10 and up important skills that empower them to gain independence and to be helpful members of their families and communities.
1: Okay, Megan. True story here. The book was released in May, right as I was hitting a breaking point with quarantine and remote school. I had asked my boys to clean their bathroom and ended up spending more time teaching them than it would have taken for me to just clean it myself. <laughs> Not to mention the fact that I had to reteach them the next time I asked them to clean the bathroom.
0: I remember this and how hard I laughed when you told me that you bought two (laughs) copies of How to Be a Person.
1: Yes, each one needed their own copy. And guess what? I've never had to teach them how to clean the bathroom again. Do they do a good job? (laughs) Megan, Catherine isn't a magician. (laughs) But her humorous writing pulled them in and encouraged them to learn new skills. And watching them do that during this challenging time has also reminded me that giving kids purpose and tools to succeed makes them feel happier and less
0: bored in the end. Grab your copy of How to Be a Person, which makes a fantastic holiday gift, wherever you purchase your books. And if you want an exclusive discount, check our show notes to buy your copy directly from Workman Publishing and get 20% off any purchase made before December 31st, 2020. Stacy, it's getting warmer and the weather has me so ready for a wardrobe update, but I want it to be for the long haul without spending a fortune. Quince is your place.
1: It's not easy to get quality pieces that you can count on to last without investing a ton of money. But at Quince, I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly
0: chic year after year. Not only is By Heart an easy-to-digest formula, their formula is also clinically proven for easier digestion, less spit-up, and softer poops versus leading infant formula. By Heart has their own patented protein blend that includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio, just like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. Curious about By Heart? Redeem Your Welcome offer at
1: Megan, I have such exciting news. The award winning podcast, Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls, is back with an all new season. This time, you'll hear stories narrated by incredible women from the worlds of art, music, business, and sports about amazing immigrant
0: women from all over the planet that have helped change the world in so many ways. I know. Ella and I love to listen. And this season, we've been hearing stories about women, including Carmen Miranda, an acclaimed dancer and movie star from Brazil, Teresa Lee, an activist working to bring dreamers out of the shadows, and Noor Inayat Khan, a princess who became a spy. I love that you listen
1: with Ella. And you know what? I listen with Oliver, too. Research shows that only 19% of children's books showcase women with jobs or career ambition. The Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls podcast is an amazing resource for parents of children of any gender to inspire, educate, and instill confidence in all Little Rebels everywhere.
0: The new season started on September 15th. Catch up now with your Little Rebel. You can find the Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls award-winning educational podcast on your favorite podcast player. You know what everybody's wondering? What about that meat we put aside, Megan? <laughs> I know What like, about that Jesus, meat? Jesus, can you just get us the meat? <laughs> like, six hours. We're like, and now on step three. Okay. Okay, this is like the step before it just goes into the oven. Like, you've done all this. The work you've done, it sounds like a lot, right? We're talking about searing the meat, sautéing your aromatics, deglazing the pan. But those things actually go really quickly. Like, I would be surprised if you spend more than 15 minutes doing that. And then what you have is this pot, right? You have your Dutch oven, and it has those little brown bits from searing in there. You've got your sauteed aromatics. You've got this broth that's already beautiful and smelling so good. The very last thing you need to do is take that meat that you browned and you set aside and put it back in the pot. And you wanna make sure that you're including any juices that accumulated like on the plate or the cutting board that you set your meat aside on because again, like the fond, we don't want that to get away because it brings a ton of flavor to the party. Before you put the lid on the Dutch oven, you want to make sure that your piece of meat or your veggies or your beans are at least covered halfway. Does that make sense, Stacey? Is yeah, there are, a now better we're way adding, to say that?
1: Right. So we deglazed, right? We deglazed yes. with a little bit of liquid, but most of the liquid is cooked off. Now we're actually adding our braising liquid with the meat that we've yes. returned to the pot. And only up at least halfway, not submerging.
0: Okay, we're gonna have Stacy in our ear when we braise. She's gonna be like, do not submerge it, you guys, or do you're getting not grounded. Submerge. <laughs>
1: it's like weird ASMR. Uh, we should do an ASMR like <laughs> weird cooking recipe where we're like, and now you put
0: the meat in the pan. I think we should s- definitely s- s- not do <laughs> Let's talk about braising liquid options. We mentioned stock a hundred times, right? Like stock, broth. Again, you could use water. It's not our favorite choice. Wine or beer. Um, But you can also use stock plus other flavorful things like soy sauce, tomato sauce. Also, this is such a weird one and such a good one. Milk can be used as part of your braising liquid. One of the great classic recipes. Yeah, so tell us about this, because I've never had this one before. It's so
1: good. So Marcella Hazan is a very well-known cookbook writer, Italian food, and she has a pork loin braised in milk. That is a classic, classic recipe, and it is so delicious. And actually, as I'm thinking about it, you know how Jimmy Oliver has the chicken and milk? Which
0: I've had like a hundred times, and is crazy delicious.
1: I was just... Like, I wonder if that was inspired by
0: Marcella Hazan.
1: I don't know. Interesting. Maybe we
0: can get Jamie on the the show and he can tell us.
1: I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but milk. Milk is a great one. So then we should talk about coconut milk, too. And you said you do that for your beans. Yeah. It all works. Wine, stock and wine. You can combine it or you can just do wine. Yes. You just, again, want you just want it to match your flavor profiles and what you're going for. Beef or lamb shank braised in red wine. Oh, it doesn't get any better, especially this time of year.
0: Yes. Okay, so you're going to bring you've got your meat in the pot. It's now covered only halfway because otherwise Stacy's going to ground us. Do um, not and simmer. you're going to bring it to a, <laughs> You're going to bring it to a simmer on the stovetop, right? Because you want to make sure that that braising liquid is not cold going into the oven. Otherwise, your braise will take longer. And then you want to put the lid on it. And you want to put it in a low oven, which I would say is 300. But I think Stacy would say is like 325.
1: Yeah, I usually do 325. It depends if you're... It depends on the meat. It depends. It kind of doesn't matter is also the other thing. Because the point is that <laughs> 25 degrees isn't going to make that much of a difference. And it's like really just about low and slow. You know, it might go a little faster if you're at 325, just watch it. But we're talking about like anywhere from depending on how big the hunk of meat is, you know, an hour to four hours really depends. Yes, I have braised on my stovetop too. You don't get the same kind of like even all encompassing heat. So it's not my preferred method, but I have, I have done it. Especially for vegetables. Like, I'll braise vegetables and beans just on the stovetop.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to think if I've ever done anything weird. Also, I think it's a good point (laughs) to, uh, like, a good... I've
1: never done anything weird.
0: (laughs) Like that, no. Or, sort like, I'm like, I'm sure I've braised all the years of working for Alton, right? Like, I've probably braised over a campfire or, like, on a grill or something ridiculous. Like, there's a million places. But this it's worth mentioning right here that... You could do a lot of these steps on the stovetop, like up to cooking the aromatics, and then move everything to your slow cooker. Put the meat in there, turn your slow cooker to high, add your braising liquid, and then lid it and turn it down to low. And that's that's still braising. You're just doing it in your slow cooker instead of in your oven if you need to. Totally.
1: That's a really, really great point because that might feel safer. Like if you want to braise, but you can't be home the whole time, leaving your oven on is weird. But if you plug in your slow cooker, you might feel more comfortable walking
0: out. Yes. Okay. So now the breeze is in the oven for, you know, an hour and a half to four hours, depending on the cut of meat or the beans or the veggies that you're cooking. Is there anything that you can do while you're, meal is braising yeah chill chill like a mofo
1: (laughs) no I don't know do we ever chill is there ever a moment to chill
0: do the dishes do the laundry exactly (laughs) but I meant cooking wise because like I'm thinking of pot roast where I would probably like in the last hour of cooking last 30 minutes, add my potatoes and carrots Yes, so that they're done, but they're not like mush.
1: Totally. So that's really important. Like you don't want to braise vegetables for three hours. They will be, ugh. So, you know, prep any other vegetables that you want to be braised along with the meat um, and just add them to the end, you know, towards the end. That's really it. And then like after everything's done, like if you want to make a sauce or gravy, you you know, because the seal is so tight and should be, you probably aren't going to have lost that much liquid in the cooking process, even though it's been a long time. So if you want a sauce, like once you take out the braised meat and the veggies, you can cook the braising liquid down and make a little bit of a sauce. That's always a nice thing to do. Mm. Yes. And at that point is when I would add like a sprig of herbs, like to get, Again, this is about layers of flavor. Even if you've added herbs before, the their flavor is gonna have totally transformed in the cooking process. So now if you want like a fresher herb flavor, add a sprig while you're cooking down the sauce. You know, add some herbs, add another like splash of citrus or vinegar, a little zest if you want that will brighten your sauce because it'll probably be really like deep and earthy and rich. And I don't know, eat. We've done it. I- is there something
0: I missed? <laughs> Okay, I want to just a little bit backtrack and talk about how you know when a braise is done. Oh, because yeah. for some things like a pot roast, like you don't actually. I know we talk, we've talked about like the braises where you want the meat to be falling apart, but for some things like a pot roast. You actually don't really want it to be falling apart. You just want it to be so tender that when you slice it, yeah. it is mm. fork tender. I'm hungry. I know. I'm, I am really <laughs> am, too. And I, all I want is pot roast now because it's, like, cold today. So there's sort of like this little trick I learned about meat from smoking meat and barbecuing, which is let's say you have your pot roast, it's in your Dutch oven, and you're like trying to determine if it's done enough. You can kind of like take your tongs and pull at the side and see if it's shredded. But also if you put your tongs underneath it and just sort of like try to hold the pot roast above the pot. If it slumps down on the sides, it kind of make, makes a U or a V or a rainbow shape, then that means all that collagen is really cooked down and your braise is done and ready to go.
1: I love that. I've never heard that. That's really smart. Thank and you. And it's really... You. It's about texture,
0: right? Because it's it's been cooked,
1: like, for a long time. We're not worried yeah, about, like, temperature about or anything it's here. It's like
0: you want it to be lush and yes. silky. Right. Do you want it to be silky? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But the point tender. is, like, you do. Lush I mean, chicken,
1: I like the idea of, like, silky chicken, especially, like, in a nice braising yes. sauce. But, yeah, like, so the time is really going to b- depend on... You know, it's an interaction between time and what size the meat is cut into, but it's done when it's the texture you want. So if you want it to be shredded, if you don't, if you want a whole roast. So, you know, you're just kind of keeping an eye on that. Yes.
0: And then to add to your ideas for finishing, I actually have like a really strong opinion that every braise or stew at the end of cooking needs like a cap full of vinegar. It can be sherry vinegar, it can be apple cider vinegar, but I just think that not only does it awaken all of the flavors for actually eating it that night, but it makes your leftovers better, less flat tasting. Like, have you ever made a beautiful roast and it tastes, or like braised, and it tastes so good the first day, and then when you go to eat the leftovers, you're kind of like, meh. I think that vinegar is the secret to preventing that.
1: That makes so much sense because, again, like it's this deep, rich, you've got collagen, you've got fat, you've got, you know, all these kind of like earthy, grounded flavors. Something to brighten it up will make such a difference. You know I'm going to say creme fraiche, too. It's not quite as bright as vinegar. (laughs) I would do both, but it's got a nice tang that I love. You know, and that can be nice either just like for serving or if you want to spoon a little bit into your sauce. Delicious. Yes. Okay. Wow. We went into such detail. I I feel like we should quickly (laughs) run through braising veggies and braising beans because now that we've gone into all the detail of the steps, we can just kind of reference them and talk about where you deviate from the meat process.
0: For sure. And and we might say veggies and mean beans, like these rules yes. apply yeah. across both of them. So where do you jump in at, Stacey?
1: I don't brown my beans or veggies ahead of time.
0: I do not. There's no searing step here.
1: Yeah, because it's these are, you know, you want a delicate. Flavor, You know, again, the braising is about this beautiful texture. So just go straight into the aromatics like onion, garlic, shallot, herbs, spices, dried spices. We talked about them all. So some oil in your pan or some butter, the fat, add those aromatics. And then once they've like browned and all the liquid that they've released has cooked off, you want to deglaze your pan. Same ideas. It can be wine, it can be beer, it can be whatever works, orange juice then you want to put the vegetables or the beans into the pot and just a smaller amount of cooking liquid, right? Because we don't want to like break it down. There's no like connective tissue or collagen that we're worrying about.
0: Yeah. And I think depending on the vegetable specifically, you can braise like whole cauliflower or you can cut cauliflower into steaks and braise it and it'll braise a little bit faster. And probably same thing with your fennel. Like if you can keep it whole, it has a slightly different texture than if you yeah. cut it. Up. So that's like really all you need to do to your veggies before they go in is like decide how long you want them to cook and cut them accordingly.
1: Right. So for fennel, I half it, like I do, and then I put it in, cut side down. Cauliflower, I've quartered. I like that size because I feel like it also yeah. cuts down on the cooking time a little bit and it makes it more manageable. What are other great vegetable choices for braising?
0: Okay, I mentioned at the top of the episode Brussels sprouts and how those are so great. I know that you've talked about braised artichokes. I've never done that
1: before. I feel like it would be amazing. I
0: think. A lot of season, like what's in season right now, those hearty veggies, like squash, I could imagine taking a delicata squash, having it to remove the seeds, and then braising it skin and all with like the skin in the braising liquid. And then that would be just, again, silky, tender, and delicious. i
1: braising in apple cider. I used to do yes. that. I forgot about that. I used to do butternut squash with an apple cider. I'd caramelize onions first. Then deglaze with a little wine, then the squash, and then use cider as the braising and add raisins at the end. And the raisins would get really soft. Yes.
0: Okay. I want to make that immediately. I'm also thinking of, of obviously, cabbage is a great one, but my mind is like also running through and being like, is there a vegetable that you couldn't braise? Like, yes, you mostly braise in the heart of winter. It's a great time to do it. It Makes the house cozy and smell so amazing. But, like, you could braise tomatoes in the uh, in summertime and make like a luscious sauce out of them. I think onions are really underrated oh, as a yes. thing to braise and serve as like a side dish
1: or like have just shallots.
0: Can- yes. Mm. Yes and then that almost like becomes a sauce too. Yeah. So if you were just going to like roast a chicken for a holiday meal, you could braise in the oven at the same time, you know, some onions or some shallots and then serve that as sort of like the gravy and sauce for your chicken. Oh, so, so, be good. so good.
1: Could you braise string beans? I'm trying
0: to think of something you can't braise.
1: People, people I feel do like you braise can braise green
0: beans. No, people do like in tomatoes.
1: I like okra. My dad used to do, I always thought of it as a stew. But now that I'm like thinking back on his technique, although he probably wasn't thinking it was braising, he would braise (laughs) green beans and okra. He used to love okra. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I cannot get behind braised okra, but I know people really love it. <laughs> I Give me my okra <laughs> fried or in a stew, please. I'm not um, into eggplant. okra at all, actually, but anyway. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> both eggplant and okra are two vegetables that I struggle with, but I do think that eggplant would be incredible braised, too.
1: Oh, that's so interesting. I wonder, you'd have to be really careful with your timing so it doesn't become totally mushy.
0: I might even brown eggplant before i braised yeah. it so it would get like caramelized yes and then i would braise like it for just like 30 minutes
1: right so that yeah. it's still a lot of like flesh and it doesn't break down very quickly what liquid would you braise eggplant in
0: oh i don't know probably like a little bit of wine and vinegar
1: oh yeah i went in a I'm different direction
0: that- yeah, I went where, to where'd, broth where'd you go? with,
1: like, ginger and soy sauce and maybe adding even a little miso to the miso paste mm. to the braising liquid.
0: Oh, yeah. I was trying to think of all the flavors of baba ganoush, which is very, like, garlic Ooh, heavy. So I yeah. almost wonder if you could do, a like, have those eggplants, do a ton of garlic cloves, and do mostly olive oil as, like, your braising liquid and maybe a little bit of broth. And make almost like a dip out of what comes out of the pot.
1: Ooh, I love that. And hey, if you try braising eggplant, and it just flops and it's like so like mushy and whatever. Turn it into baba ghanoush no matter what or some dip. I think that's a great idea. You
0: got a backup. Who doesn't love a backup? Yeah, right? And if you overcook your braise, it's just a stew. Yeah. So you cannot lose. Yes. And on that note, with
1: those tips for how to present your failed braise, I think we've
0: covered it all. I can't believe we've talked so long about braising, but it makes me so happy. I kind of can. But yes, (laughs) maybe other people can't. We'll
1: see when the episode gets published. Speaking of which. we'll listen
0: through (laughs) Rape
1: Take us out, Phyllis. Make sure you subscribe to our newsletter to get an exclusive recipe and our pick of the week every single week. You can subscribe at didn'tijustfeedyou.com or follow the link in our Instagram bio. Who knows? Maybe there'll be a braised eggplant there this week.
0: (laughs) I wouldn't hold your breath. Speaking of Insta, you can find us there and on Facebook as at Didn't I Just Feed You. Just keep in mind that the real Facebook fun is happening in our private listeners group. The answer to be led into that group is whiskey. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you get your podcast so that you don't miss an episode.
1: Our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jim Endo. A huge, huge thank you to our editor, Samantha Gatsik. I'm Stacey.
0: And I'm Megan. Stay sane and well fed. Until next week.
1: Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Hey guys, before you go, a quick reminder that we've partnered with our friends at Clean Plates to share our most sanity saving holiday cooking and eating tips. Check our show notes or Instagram bio to sign up for their newsletter and to get all of our hot takes along with tons of recipe inspiration.